Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Josh Spodak. I'm here with Etienne Stott. Etienne, how are you doing? Yeah, good, Josh, as ever, pushing on, being busy, trying to do good things um, and finding myself always with a to-do list that's slightly longer than comfortable, but I'm all right. I'm glad to be here chatting with you. It's always really valuable to spend a bit of time, you know, kind of thinking out loud and talking with you and hearing what you're saying. And yeah, it's really cool. And, and I hope, really hope that it's interesting for your listeners as well, because uh, I think, you know, this should hopefully be beneficial to other people not just me and you chatting <laughs> <laughs> yeah at first i was going to say when you were talking about the the long list i was like that's the modern world but then i started feeling very flattered so uh, thank you for saying that and i also feel the same way that i just looked at extinction rebellion from the outside and and i felt like i would give them the benefit of the doubt where i didn't quite understand things but i still felt like the coverage was mostly what are these people doing and why to get the picture from the inside and from someone so well considered you know you're not just oh, there's something popular, I'll do that. It's you really put yourself out there. So that's meant a lot to me. And I hope that one of the things that comes out of this is that as I learn more about Extinction Rebellion, then you learn more about me, then maybe there's some, you know, we're going on parallel paths. I don't know if that's putting it the right way, but doing complementary work, not just Mm -hmm. you and me, but I view it as Extinction Rebellion is saying there's a problem, stop. And I'm trying to offer this helping hand Mm -hmm. of here's how to. Yeah. I think we need both. I think everyone will benefit of of knowing more about what the other is doing so we can work together. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I'm becoming more aware of these days is that there is lots of different ways, but we all need to be, one of the things I really believe is that many more people need to realize that this is a political thing. You know, people say, oh, I don't like politics, but politics is what this is about now. This is about not just you as an individual, this is about us collectively trying to get a handle on this. And whether or not you are joining Extinction Rebellion and there are other non-violent direct action organisations out there or doing something, but it's got to be with eyes on this position that is we're in dire emergency. We need to change so many things. We need to change from within and from without. We need to change globally. We need to change locally. All that, as long as we all understand that and then sort of seeing that everyone's got different parts. And I consider it like an ecosystem. Each, you know, each individual, each organisation has a particular niche in this ecosystem there's a niche that you're good at and you, you know you you can work in really effectively then do that and if there's nothing happening in a niche that needs something to happen then you know go and find that but as long as it's really clearly orientated to this fact that we've got a few years to change course otherwise we have to really start thinking about how we're going to adapt to this you know hellish uh, thing that we're on the way down you know we have to start thinking about that already but you know i think that to me is encouraging people to just get active and it's not just about personal choices about recycling a few things which i respect and i encourage everyone to do but it's about saying this is a bigger problem we need to get hold of this politically then i think that's the biggest thing that people can realize when a lot of people hear it's political they think Oh, the most important thing I can do is vote. There, I'm done. Okay, look, the, the, he, no one can see that he, he just went like, no, you no, nodded no, your head. madness. I mean, that's, I, I consider that even to be even more mad in the US from where I'm standing than from what it is in the UK. In this country, our political parties, we're probably not due an election for another couple of years. We may get a snap election because of Boris's shenanigans, as they might be put in inverted commas. But basically, 
there's no time and our democratics you know even if we were to have like you know the green party were suddenly to have this amazing thing our democratic system is just really unable to deal with this we need really bigger changes that's why xr is asking for the citizens assembly that's why i believe you know our political parties whoever it is they still are not acting they're not communicating the truth and they're not acting as if the truth is real and i'm pretty sure that's the case in the in the us as well you know i don't think even the progressive people are probably really fully revealing able to reveal the truth and maybe to be able to really suggest what this really means because i don't think any political parties or politicians are actually brave enough to admit what this actually what's going on so yeah i don't think voting i think voting is completely inappropriate you know this that be like voting for who's going to get the emergency door open you know it's like no get the emergency door open let's get out of it now you know i'm gonna add something that you didn't not say or you you didn't say but you, I, I don't think you're going to say it one of the big things for me is that when i hear what you said i feel like oh it sounds like a lot of work it may be a lot of work but it's deeply rewarding and it's incredibly joyful when you make the shift if you live in the US and you try to live partly like Japanese, it's kind of weird. Like things don't quite work. Or if you're in Japan and you try to live mostly Japanese, but a little US, it doesn't quite work. You're, you're always doing weird things. If you live in the US and you live American, it's fine. Things work the way they work. I'm not going to say one culture is better than another. If you're in one and you live in that culture, it works. If you live in the other culture, the other culture works. If you live, if you try to live like an American and throw in a little sustainability, you constantly, people are like, why do you do it that way? And you constantly have to explain yourself. If you shift over and say, I'm going to do everything I can, then it's like going to another country and living in that way. Yeah. And it, it's not hard. The hard part is all the people saying, why do you, people is the hard part. I, I got, man, it's like the friction that I get from people saying how much getting called privileged, not understanding the point. Like, yeah, I buy stuff from farmer's markets. If you want to help get food into food deserts and you can go to farmer's market, go to the farmer's market. Don't mm-hmm. shop at McDonald's. If you're going to say like, oh, someone in a food desert with a single mom with three kids and three jobs and doesn't have time, is that supposed to say that I should also shop at McDonald's mm-hmm. and fund the business model that's extracting the wealth and causing the situation? No, if you want to help them. All right, sorry, see, I'll get into it. It's, no, no, it's kind of I think again, I've been. I think I said in the last episode, I've been reading around Julia Steinberger, and she said she released an article recently because she's a cancer survivor, and she realised that she wrote an article talking about these different kind of ways of being either attacked or criticised or whatever for being being active and trying to sort this stuff out. And she says very often it's just about like saying, you know, well, you've got cancer, I've got cancer, but, you know, you're treating yours in this particular way, therefore I'm not going to bother treating mine. Or, you know, my cancer is only a small cancer, you just crack on with your cancer, that's fine. No, we, you've both got cancer. <laughs> we, need to, we need to try to try to find a cure and try to work on the cure as, as quickly as we can. So it's an interesting, really interesting article. I'll try and find that for you as well, because it is so many often the criticisms are, that you're not doing enough, that you're not good enough, that somehow you're making other people look bad, um, that some, you know, you might be virtue signaling or whatever it is. And I'm like, actually, very often, no, that's completely not the case. I'm just trying to do sensible stuff that makes sense to me and show to other people that actually this is sensible and that you can do it too. And I think that's really the bottom line. But other people, they project their sometimes people project their baggage into a space where they're feeling uncomfortable and threatened. And, you know, I think that's 
part for the course. I think that's just how how it goes. But I think it's important to kind of it is important to try and understand that people they're not necessarily always logical. It's I think it's that whole thing, you know, the heart leads and the mind has to follow. People somehow just find it difficult to be around people who are doing something different. And they've got to kind of come up with excuses or ways of thinking about it that may be less uncomfortable for them. And that's not to say that's a bad thing. They're not bad people for doing that. That's just human brains doing their thing to try and make their lives easier because human brains, as ever, I guess, don't want to spend more energy than than they can trying to make sense of the world. They want to kind of come to a quick and easy conclusion that they can carry on with. So, yeah, I think it's tough. Uh, Josh, I know you know that as well. I feel like this is one of my major tasks in a leadership role is to understand and empathize where people are coming from. So when they say you're not pure enough, you said they, they might feel anxious, they may feel insecure or something like that. But actually what is often in leadership, they say you have to go to where the person is, mm. not where you think they are, not where you want them to be, or you think they should be, or where they could be, but where they actually are. And where they actually are is we have to find out from each person, but Generally, I don't think that they, if they say, oh, you're not pure enough, what's motivating that? It's not to attack. I don't mm-hmm. think it's to attack. Or if they start pointing fingers of, and, and saying privilege, all right, where are they coming from? I, I think one case there is like maybe they do a lot of, that'll come from a lot of people who do a lot of anti-racism work. Mm-hmm. And from their perspective, they know a lot about this. They've, maybe they've gone through uh, some workshops and they've picked up, oh my God, there's all the stuff that I found out that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. I bet Josh doesn't know that. He doesn't realize how much he can do that others can't without realizing it. And I should tell him that. He should find that out so that he can be more effective. Mm. So they might be trying, I don't know, you know, you have to go to each person and find out each individual case. But what feels to me like someone is like not understanding where I'm coming from, not realizing, see, I, I, it's hard not to get into it. Yeah. Uh, but keeping it at a high level, what I hear them say is not necessarily what they're trying to say. Like when it goes the other way, I can tell you, I get severely misunderstood. A lot of times someone will tell me about all the environmental stuff that they do. And I'll say something like when was the last time he flew. Now, what's coming from my heart is not what goes into their ears. What's coming from my heart is, are you enjoying it? Mm. If you're enjoying it, the next thing is, I've been framing a lot of what I'm doing as I went through a mindset shift Mm. to a learner mindset, and now I'm doing continual improvement. So each thing I do leads to the next. There's no way I could have thought to go off grid in Manhattan had I not before that unplugged the fridge. And I couldn't have unplugged the fridge for six and a half months at a time had I not made it three months. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't avoiding packaged food and learning how to cook from scratch. Eight years in, I'm doing some stuff. And now had had I had role models, I could have done a lot faster or Mm. more role models. So I I share with people. So I, I hope that they can get to where I'm much faster than I took to get there. Mm. but I don't offer what I'm, I'm doing to like say I'm better than anyone. I'm, I'm offering what I'm doing in the same way that someone who, I don't know, lifts, lifts weights, shares that how far they've gotten so that someone else can realize that they can get stronger than they thought they could. Yeah. 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 That's a nice and way of doing it. So I'm really like, I'm really finding out because the biggest thing I want to get across is you're going to enjoy the change after you do it. When, once you commit and you really do it, you're going to love it walking around in nature is great. And walking around in a street strewn with litter, with heroin all over the place. This is the world I live in. It's like the pride March was the other day. It's Tuesday. So Sunday. Mm. And I go in the morning to 
people having fun is buying junk and litter everywhere. And that's people's idea of having fun. Mm. I think they would have had more fun had none of them bought any of the garbage that they brought. Like they buy this little flag that's like, they wave it for like 10 seconds and 500 mm. years from now, it will still be there. Yeah. It's stewardship, caring about the person on the receiving end. If they feel that that's a burden, Josh, I just want to buy this little thing. I don't want to think about all that. All that is other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wildlife. It's. I think you wrote that on your, was it on your thing the other day I saw? And someone, you know, I think it was you, you know, said you know, people throwing things away. Where is away? What is away? Away is just someone else's problem. I think that is a really interesting thing because we are completely conditioned and trained to think that there is just another place where all of the stuff that we don't have anymore or that help to make the stuff that we do have, all that stuff is somewhere else and it doesn't matter to us. And now that is really clearly not working. We're all connected we're all sharing this little bubble it is important for people to think about that because otherwise you know they're going to have to think about it in a really bad way because it's all going to break down and it's going to be horrible well, so I would, <laughs> it's a good thing to say and not just not just think about it but process it and internalize it into everything that they do you said think about it in a bad way which i think you meant a lot seriously but i want to make sure that people don't think it's going to be bad thoughts because if i tell my mom if you turn on the air conditioner, someone's going to breathe that air, not the air conditioned air, but you yeah. know, the polluted air. Yeah. She's like, Josh, I just want to, you know, to her, to her I've just imposed a burden on her. Mm. Yes. But to me, connection to other people is far more valuable than the temperature and humidity in the room of the room that I'm in. If mm. I'm hurting them, I mean, yeah. in my heart, if I say this to my mom, she'll like, ah, and a lot of people, if I say the following are like, ah, but to wave that little flag at the parade, not just with to buy the flag, which means to put my money into the system that produces this stuff, that pays for extracting mm. the stuff out of the ground, that pays to move people away from their land and maybe kill them along the way. That is buying rum in 1800 England that was made on a plantation in mm. the Americas. That's yeah. buying sugar that was made on a plantation that people were stolen from Africa. Half of them died on the way over. Another half of them died before they got put in the fields and the rest of them like lived to young age and their families were torn apart and things like that. And when I talk to most people, they're like, ah, Josh, you don't know what you're talking about because you have no idea what slavery really is. You're, just, you, you're, you're blowing it out of the water. You're just trying to use something that you shouldn't. It's not the same thing. And, but those, the abolitionists in England, they looked across the ocean and saw people are suffering for my mm. transitory fleeting pleasure. Yeah. And the flip side of that is one, to connect with them. And I put to you that you will connect with people far away more if you're sensitive to how you affect them, if what you're doing is hurting mm. them, yeah. than if you fly and visit them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it is a really interesting thing, isn't it? Because, you know, there is people that we're speaking to, there's all sorts of different reasons. And I think that withdrawing from the system or just you know well i think once you see the impacts of all these things you kind of feel almost compelled to say i'm not going to do those things anymore well, you know once you feel them or you notice them and then you feel them I, I guess no i don't have an ability and probably the understanding to talk about slave trade and, and the impacts of those things but they are certainly massive parallels as far as i can tell um between what's going on and you know right now this is you know we this system that we're fueling or that we're in, inhabiting is a kind of neo-colonial system it does the similar things than it used to just in a more hidden way 
perhaps even back in those days, slavery was kind of more hidden. I guess it probably wasn't totally, you know, it was kept at arm's length, certainly from the people who benefited most from it. And right now, I don't know, to me, it seems fair enough to say that I'm prepared to prove wrong. But I think most people have no idea of the impact of what they're doing is on other people around the world and even on other people in, in a, you know, in your home country, the exploitative labour, all of the, you know, grafting and troubling and efforts and works that has to get put in, all the people that are working far too hard to deliver all these things around. There's all so many parts of it are really quite invisible unless you stop and you think a little bit about it. And then you say, actually, well, you know, yeah, this package arrived for me the next day. That meant someone had to work overnight in a warehouse, you know, and someone drove the truck. But, you know, all those sorts of things. You just think, actually, no, I don't want to. Can I just get myself a little bit more organised or can I just not do it? I think this is the interesting thing. Again, I'm going to just talk about it. So Julia Steinberg, she explained it really well in one of the things I just watched recently. She said, basically, so much of our modern lives, because we're under so much pressure and stress, both mostly in terms of time, most of the consumption that we do is to save time, effort and energy so that we have where we can keep up with our lives, you know, keep them on track. And I was actually, that's really true. So, you know, so much packaging, so much processing, so much of the convenience, which are actually really quite damaging are there because people are leaving, leading such pressured lives that they, they kind of almost have to just to get by, you know, and that, is an example, you know, to me that exemplifies the madness of the system. You know, the system is so consuming and all consuming and it's just super circular as well. It keeps people running in this race, in this rat race, in this kind of hamster wheel. And it's just consuming ever more resources to keep it, to keep it running. And I think it's completely okay to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore as far as I can. But of course we all have to, you know, it's all, we all somehow, participate in it but trying to do as little as we can and some people are amazing like you're doing much you know many many ways better than I am sure because you know I still participate in it and I hate participating in it I just haven't had the time to figure it out and so speaking to someone who has great that's really cool I'll get to find out something and maybe I'll change some of the things that I'm doing as well the next step for me after realizing things like that is to make it personal for people if I tell people about the system if I say it in the way that you said, and you're saying it to me, so not to someone that you're trying to influence, but to a lot of people, they're going to think, oh man, that's a lot of, comp. look, I'm just trying to get on with my life. Just make it easy for me or stop talking. Like they're going to disengage. Mm. But I think that if I can get someone to, one of the things I try to get people to realize through experience is that that hamster wheel that you're talking about in someone's personal experience, they're going to feel isolated and pressured and they're going to try to isolate themselves more and they're going to try to resist I try to help them realize, like when you said I'm advanced or I'm better, to me, I'm like, ah, I cringe because I don't feel better than anyone. I'm having more fun. Mm. I'm enjoying myself more. I'm connecting more with people far away. What people talk about, they get from flying. I forget if I don't think we were recording it, but I think just before we recorded, I was talking about how I ferment a lot of stuff now. So I had this really great experience. Like it started off with, I'm just taking citrus, chopping up fruit, putting a little salt on it, letting it sit for a couple of weeks. And it gets this amazing amount of flavor. So right there, just the flavor, the sensory, how did this burst of flavor come out of this? Like, it's like, I had no idea something, it was like the work was chop, put a little salt, stir it up and put it in a jar. That's like so little work. And I'm like, how much flavor came out of this? It's crazy. So that right there is great. An enjoyment of nature. Then some friends came over 
And I gave some to someone. He's like, ah, he didn't like it. It's like, it's too bitter. Although he didn't like any bitter anything. So he did like, but then a friend was visited, visited from India. So he flew, whatever. I gave some to him and he's like, oh, this is really good. And he starts telling me, like, put it in the sun to get it to ferment a little. I don't know. So he likes the sun. And then he started telling me what herbs to put in. And I was like, oh, this is great. Now I'm connecting. I didn't have to fly to India yeah, to yeah. have this connection with Indian culture. That happens all over the place as I learned, you know, gardening and fermenting and cooking and things like that. So I'm less isolated, despite polluting less. Mm. And it's hard to think of having fun cooking and, and making, making cooking easier and easier. I don't think of that as like better. Mm. It's more fun. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then I look at the isolation that people live in and how they feel compelled. They can't get out of it. So that when, I, when someone says to them, think about it, doing it a different way, they're like, oh, oh. but it's to me now, now that I'm, I'm five or six weeks into being off the grid, part of me is thinking at some point I'm going to turn the circuit back on again. I'm going to reconnect the circuit. I'm going to get back on the grid. And I'm going to use some power. Like I got all this popcorn, my CSA, I got this, uh, and I got to put in the microwave. I haven't, I haven't tried the microwave. Maybe the power battery would power it, but like I'm th- at some point I'm going to, pl- I'm going to connect, reconnect. I'm going to feel dirty. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to feel like, how long can I go? I just keep seeing how long it can go. It's just curiosity. Oh, yeah. and also role models. I think more and more about the Hadza, the sun, the tsunami, the Native Americans. There's a world to learn about that I don't have to fly to go there. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's everything that people are looking for is there. People think that, ah, oh, if we don't have the GDP growing all the time, then the infrastructure falls apart and the hospitals close and all the babies are going to die in childbirth and the moms too. And we can't have that happen. We're trapped into these limiting beliefs. Yes, they are limiting beliefs. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, just committing to these changes and facing the problems as they come on a personal level. If you really want to do it, like I was sitting down with someone at my college reunion. I forget if I mentioned this, but she was like, my daughter's really into this stuff and I can't figure out what to do. What should I do? And it's really hard. It's like saying like, how can I quit cigarettes? Mm. It's kind of hard just to say, well, quit cigarettes. That doesn't help because they already knew that. And if I, like, it takes a whole regiment to do it. Regiment? Regiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe a whole regiment, the whole army. (laughs) I said to her, consider this, consider that at this time with the situation, the way it is, make this the most important thing in your life. Mm. That not like something that you kind of do, but the most important thing, not an add-on, not something like, oh yeah, I better make sure that this thing that I do, I'll make it a little more sustainable. Like I was having, I had dinner last night with some friends or I haven't seen since business school since like 15 years ago. Mm. They are, I mean, one of them is probably flying not every day this week, but she's, she's gotta be doing a dozen flights a month. Mm. I'm talking about sustainability. And she's like, yeah, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm like, I don't think you, yeah, I don't think you have, you're in the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting thing, isn't it? As well, when you've got people, we are, I was having a talk, just we're chatting the other day about this a little bit, you know, it is very, very difficult because a part of you wants to, I think what you said is really important. You know, this is the most important thing. This is like, to me, and I think, you know, we need to try to get this message out there. Avoiding this catastrophe 
should be at the top of everyone's list. You know, it really should be because once this really unfolds, you know, if we do breach 1.5 or once we breach two degrees, and this is more a matter of when, not if, on the trajectory we're on, it is going to define everyone's lives. It's going to be such a big part of everyone's lives dealing with this. And there's some parts of people around the world that it is literally their their daily existence is dealing with the shit that, oh, pardon me, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this podcast, the mess that we are creating. But for most of us, within our lifetimes, this will become the only thing that we get to think about because it's going to affect every single thing, food, our environment, you know, our, our weather, you know, like, everything is going to be affected by this urging people that you know this is, there's lots of people who already do want to do the right thing you know like your friend and like lots of people we know but it's actually like we all need everybody to step up and to start taking this really seriously and i think once realizing that it's serious but also you know i, I like what you're saying a lot about it's rewarding and it's interesting voyage of discovery and and yeah. and, and knowledge because we do have lots of these things are really cool and interesting and i think sometimes it's fair to say a lot of people that i know you know who are out there just chipping away at normal stuff i'm not sure they're super happy you know and it's kind of relentless and grinding and i think deep down a lot of people don't want that for themselves and i don't want that for them and yeah what that journey what talk- is really helpful when I talked about the difference between like, if you live in America and live American, it works. But if you try to live, live a little Japanese, it doesn't work. The difference between American culture and Japanese culture is that's a matter of taste. But between sustainable and unsustainable, there's a big difference. One of them is lowering Earth's ability to sustain life, which is very important because we're living. There's a major reason to pick one of these over the other. Yeah. Also, yeah. there's a big example of people living sustainably of 300,000 years of human history that humans lived very resiliently, very stably. The more that I learn about it, the more that I learned that it wasn't like they were dying at 30 all the time. And that, you know, every time you got a cut, you got gangrene and died. On the contrary, if you think of what changes in climate and species and stuff like that must have happened over 300,000 years, they've been incredibly resilient. Mm. They didn't even have the wheel. And we think we need all these new technologies. You know, I saw this documentary by, all right, I think that it's one of the big fronts on this is empathizing, understanding, which is to understand, by, by which I mean intellectually understanding where people are and empathizing, meaning emotionally understanding where people are and feeling where they are. The people that we disagree with, mm. they are voting, they are running the corporations, try to influence someone. How well are you going to be influenced by someone who doesn't understand you? And every time they speak, they make you feel misunderstood. Mm. Yes, good, good way of saying it, yeah. So I'll put it in, I'll probably get pilloried for this, but I'll try it out anyway. I'm trying it out with you. This is my first time saying in a recording. In the US, we just had a big Supreme Court decision on yeah. abortion. Yeah. I did a post a while ago before, after I think it got leaked, but before the decision came out, I said, All right, what if someone really in their heart believes that human life begins at conception? Now you might say science proves otherwise. Let's just say science does prove otherwise in a way that that person would agree with if they, if they got to there, but they don't see it there now. And they believe life begins at conception, therefore that abortion is murder. Mm. What do you say to someone like that? Do you just say, no, you're wrong? Because that person votes. The tactic or strategy of just saying, we're right, you're wrong. Mm. Get with the program. Well, you lost. Yeah. You lost. How many times do you have to lose before you realize? I mean, it seems to me that if you at least acknowledge, you don't have to, like, 
Understanding is not the same thing as agreeing and supporting. Mm. I don't know if you've read The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels by Alex Epstein. He truly in his heart believes that burning fossil fuels is the most effective way to help a human flourishing. Mm. I don't agree with him, but if I simply say, no, you're wrong, he's worked it out pretty well. And he's read the stuff that he disagrees with. He's looked at the arguments. He thinks Mm. that decreasing fossil fuel use is hurting people. And so if you say, no, it's not. And he says, yes, it is. There's no influence going to happen there. In fact, it'll be more resistance. And I think this is the main front is what's in the heart and mind of Mm. the staff and leadership of Exxon, of Chevron, of, you know, Saudi Aramco and of McDonald's and of Starbucks, Trader Joe's and all these other super polluting places. I love throwing Trader Joe's in there because they put the word recycle on everything. Their whole business model is like wrap it in plastic. I've never heard of them. We don't have them here. So I'll have to take your word for it. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of places that they really believe. So if someone really believes it and you just say you're wrong, Mm. they're going to say, no, I'm not. You are. Mm. And no progress is made. Yeah. From the outside, that looks very much like what's happening in the US right now on many different topics. You know, there's these almost parallel realities that seem to be created. And it's, it is, I suspect it's probably more pressing where you are than, than where we are. But I, th- I think we're headed in this direction, you know, and it's very, it's very worrying. And the bridging those gaps has to be just about trying to meet people and hearing them and really listening to what they're doing. And I think that is hard work. You know, there's no it's doubt. It's really that. hard. It, and it's also and hard, hard work, not in- time-consuming work as well, which I think is one of the things that if I'm going to put my hand up and say, admit, yeah, I think winning people around who are further away from us is I don't spend much time doing that. Do you know what I mean? I'm always thinking, how can we get people who are closer towards us to step their stuff up, you know, towards that direction? Because to me, it's that gets the size of the, you know, the different parts of the bell curve, you know, which parts you're going to try and get to come over to start taking this more seriously and to take this seriously as it deserves to be, which is not just more seriously. It's like there's a certain kind of line almost that is like, how much of this, at what point does this become totally essential to your work, you know, to your life that you are tackling this? But I, I think that it's, yeah, I don't know how to, how to get my head around that because I do think partly it's important to get people to move along, but also there's people on the other side of this debate, as if there is a debate, if, you know, this, you know, who have very different understandings, bringing them into a different understanding. I suppose you're not even trying to do that. Are you, Josh? Tell me, I'm, I'm assuming you're trying to genuinely and completely commit to the idea of just really understanding where they're coming from. And then from there, maybe some changes could happen, I suppose. Yeah, I want to be able, if I'm being very open about it, I want to understand where they're coming from with the possibility that they may be right and I may be wrong, that I may switch to their view. Yeah. Because if, if, if I'm not Genuinely clearly not from their yeah. view able to be influenced by them, then they, are, they will not be influenced by me. Mm. So I want to understand where they're coming from and you know, play it out in my head. Let's see what happens if that really is that way. Because if I don't, I don't know where they, I, I, I'm going to give a very, once again, I'm going to step into the abyss here. But I'm going to give you an extreme example because you said it's hard work. It is hard work, but the hard work is not like you're not going to break a sweat doing it. It's not burning a lot of calories. <laughs> it may take time, but what's the hard part about it? It's emotionally mm. horrible. It's mm. really like a simple case for me, not simple, but like not extreme case is when I see people littering, mm. how do I get into a mindset where dropping litter on the ground 
is in any way remotely acceptable or yeah. forget if it's acceptable to others. How could I live with myself doing that? And yet people do it all the time. Mm. I try to put myself in that mindset of littering is just fine. And how do I get there? There's lots of different places. Like if I'm, if I'm homeless and I feel like society is not helping me at all, I'm like, why should, are you, you don't help me. Why should I help you? I have to deal with all your stuff. You deal with my stuff. Or some people feel like I'm paying my taxes. Yeah. If I don't do it, then I'm paying my taxes for nothing. People can feel that way. Mm. A lot of people think, I think, feel like this pattern called stuffing. They put, if you, you'll see a lot of garbage, like stuff between things. Oh yes. Yeah, so I think people have, around. yeah. Well, I think people have a feeling of like, this belongs somewhere. Ah, it fits here. I put it somewhere and something inside them feels like, ah, problem solved. Like I've, I've now yeah. put something where it, like yeah, I yeah. want something, I had this urge to put something in somewhere and now I put it somewhere. Good. Now I can get on with my day. Mm, yeah, but the real extreme case is, I say this in my classes, think World War II, think your general on the, in the allies and you're fighting Hitler. Possibly the person I want to empathize with the least ever is Hitler. Mm. But if you want to win the war, you got to get into his head and his heart and figure out what's going on. Why is he doing the things he's doing and how and, and in what way? Mm. And if you do that, you're going to be able, you're going to better be able, if you don't do that, you're guessing he's constantly going to surprise you. Mm. So if I can get into that space, look, I'd much rather empathize with a literer than Hitler, but yeah. some people had to do it with Hitler. When I say to someone who agrees with me, well, look at this perspective. Sometimes they, they think I'm promoting it. Yeah, yeah. So it can be very difficult to relate to other people and to communicate to other people where the others are coming from mm. without, you know, you have to bend over backward. Look, I'm not agreeing with them, but just bear with me. I mean, here, I think you get that I'm not like supporting Hitler. I could talk about Hitler and not be like, no, no, what a great no. guy. No one's thinking that. I hope not. But with the literer, or if I, if I talk about someone who supports burning fossil fuels more, mm. Well, that one, people know me pretty much that I'm not, I'm trying to avoid burning fossil fuels. Mm. But if I, if I talk about abortion and I say, well, what if someone believes that life begins at conception? That's a human life that is being killed. They're yeah. like, they'll start. Ah, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I think it's ineffective. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you, I guess there's always this, there is, you know, what you just said there kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, XR's commitment to nonviolence, you know, it's, it's like a commitment to nonviolence and some people, and it's similar, you know, is it, is it for tactical reasons or is it for moral and ethical reasons? Is it because you think it's just the right thing to do to not visit violence upon other beings? Or is it because actually it's more effective as a means of making change in society? I think is both, you know, and that seems quite a convenient way of doing things, but there will be people who just see um, different elements in that. And I suppose being effective is really, really important when you're so short of time. But I think that's the tricky thing, isn't it, is that we don't necessarily know what is going to be effective because a lot of this work has never been done before. But I suppose what you're saying is you're experimenting and you're pushing you're trying different ways and trying to kind of get out there. And I think it's a great credit to you because I think sometimes, as I say, sometimes we're in too much of a rush, certainly in, you know, in Extinction Rebellion or certainly, you know, I guess I can't say certainly, I, I should imagine in the environmental movement, there's this epic feeling of, of we're in massively short of time and perhaps we don't get a chance to think about some of these things quite as often as we could because 
being effective is really important. Sometimes doing something consistent to yourself and true is really good. But if it's effective, on top of that, it makes you feel like triple, double, triple, maybe even better than that because you're just knowing you're doing something that's really true and it works. And that's what I felt like when I was doing sports. You know, it's true to me, but it was also effective rather than it being either effective and not true to me, which doesn't feel great or feels consistent to you but it's not effective. You still think like you're kind of playing the game, but it's not really working. So I, I think, you know, speaking in this way, what you're talking about, trying to bridge that gap is very interesting and very hard. Um, but I'm sure, again, if you genuinely understand, I think being understood and understanding is one of the most wonderful human experiences, right? You know, when the penny drops, when you finally understand something, when you finally understand a person and where they're coming from, it's a really nice thing to happen. And I, I'm sure that it's good. And I just, like I said, I don't do that much work in that space, I suppose. And it's, it's worth thinking about why and, and you know, how valuable that would be, because I think you're right. You know, in the end, a lot of people have to get on board with all this. Yeah, I want to reinforce what you got to at the end. It, it actually ends up being joyful and satisfying even to empathize and get in the mindset and heart of someone that you strongly disagree with, it's deeply human connect. It's connecting as a human. I guess a better example that really sticks with me is when Mandela was jailed, he started learning Afrikaans, which was the language of his oppressor, as many people saw it. In particular, he was getting along with the jailers, the people who were imprisoning him. Mm. From his perspective, as I read it, he wanted to understand the playing field, like the, the playing field is the hearts and minds of the people you disagree with. Mm. That led to him being able to, it took decades, but he was, it was just him, not just him, but he had time, I guess. Yeah. yeah. As it happened, he shared the Nobel peace prize with the clerk. Mm. Why should the guy who was the oppressor get the Nobel prize? Well, it worked. There were reasons why the clerk would, want to shift his country. It wasn't go- what things weren't going so well. And there were all sorts of shank- sanctions going on all around the world. And people around the world were, you know, I still don't drink Coca-Cola and Pepsi. One of those two was not doing business with South Africa in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And I stopped drinking them and I never restarted. I don't really think that much about Mandela when I think about that, but I do still think about that. Mm-hmm. And so there are all these other things. It wasn't just him on his own, but his connecting with the people that he disagreed with, that everyone said, no, they're the enemy. He saw them if the system is really the problem, yeah, then yeah. they are allies. If you think they're benefiting and everyone else is losing, that's not what the That's not a system. A mm. system is everyone's stuck in the system. He saw them as allies to help bring down a system that was hurting everyone, maybe mm. hurting some more than others. And so I think a lot about Mandela learning Afrikaans is me learning about the moral case for fossil fuels. Yeah. No, it's interesting, isn't it? And then you're right, because we're all on this planet together sharing it. And I think that it is a really interesting thing to think about. We are all, you know, if, we, if you extend the logic that we're all interconnected, that we're all sharing this space together, then it does absolutely mean we have to connect with people who are disagreeing with us. Somehow we have to work at that. Maybe some of the people in those places which wouldn't naturally agree with us maybe some of them are closed and they don't want to hear from us for sure, but there may be people on, on those sides. And I don't want to cast it as such because it's unhelpful, but you know, those sides would, would be in the similar quest that you are, that you are on here, Josh. And I think that's a really interesting idea to wonder if there's people out there 
I guess it's like, you know, how lightning strikes, you know, you always think lightning comes down, but then when they do it slow motion, there's like those feelers coming up from the ground and one connects to the other, you know, I guess it's like, maybe like that. And when you get that connection, then you'll get something amazing happening, which I guess is what essentially happened with Mandela and the club. By the sounds of it, I don't know so much about that story. I know enough about it, but it sounds like they, they did work to make this happen, you know, and it's, it's incredible. When you think I didn't about think it. about the seeking out people on the other on the other side yeah i mean where i'm going coming out towards this way mm. thank you for that i didn't think of that perspective i do want to say that you we have you were saying that we have to do that a great thing personally comes uh, at least for me that when i switch from i have to do that to i get to do that mm. yes the challenge of empathizing with increasingly difficult people to empathize with it's hard not to go to like jesus i don't want to get religious about it but that's what he talked about, like the Sermon on the Mount. And it was really like, he seems to be one of the historical figures of how different a person for myself can I understand and, and, mm. and empathize with and connect with instead of seeing as an enemy. Yeah, he was a very radical person uh, from what I understand. And I do, I, I don't, I'm not a religious person, but I'm, I'm pretty sure and I've read stuff that suggests that he did, he was alive and he did exist. And then there was all this different stuff got added on later and whatever. But, you know, it seemed like the ideas that were coming out of there are really, really important. And I guess they did power, you know, some really incredible, and they have powered some horrendous evils, but they have really, you know, empowered. I'm really interested, you know, there's one of the things when I read Martin Luther King's, uh, one of Martin Luther King's biographies, it was really amazing. It kind of turned me more religious. If I, there's such a thing, I'm not at all religious, but it was really clear how well informed he was or how well formed he felt he was because of the teachings of, of Jesus that he really learned a lot about so that is in, it is interesting because I think he was a very special and interesting individual if not the person that is written about in the bible or whatever but it is interesting because that we do somehow yeah on that effort to try and do those things it is brings more life I suppose it's, it's worth me thinking about this some more for sure man thank you as well yeah <laughs> I, I could have said Buddha or Lao Tzu and I don't know if people call those traditions religions or not, but I, mean, I think they were very much about empathy and understanding. And, mm, and yes, I get that too as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Shall we leave it here? I think uh, uh, pondering on both sides. You, you yeah. got me thinking. I got you thinking. <laughs> so this was episode six. I think let's take a break from recording these. Unless you, I, I'm always open if you if you're like, hey Josh, I just had this thing. Let's get on mm. your podcast. But I propose pausing for a bit because six episodes. I think you may be the most. We're tied for the most. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't want to go for into the lead, man. Let's keep it cool. Let's keep it cool. <laughs> Anything you want to close with? I'm going to say no. Uh, no, I'm thinking about it. And no, I feel like um, I am really grateful for anyone who's listened. And I hope it's been interesting and thought-provoking. Um, I am aware, you know, that the time people are giving me or giving us this time of theirs, I think that's really kind of them. And I, I hope it's valuable. And there's so much interesting out there. Let's just keep going, trying to get 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 some save our planet. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say the word gratitude, but I think I heard that feeling, and and yeah. uh, I'm glad you said that because I feel gratitude to people who've listened all the way through. Well, Etienne, thank you very much. Thank you, Josh.